Well, I don't know about you, but uh, oftentimes in life, I need help navigating certain things, certain relationships, certain obstacles. There are certain times where I definitely uh, have no idea what I'm doing and I make a bigger mess. There's other times where uh, I feel like I know what I'm doing and I end up also making a mess. And And I think when it comes to life, thankfully, we have the opportunity to learn wisdom and guidance from people. You know, I kind of think of it this way. Think about like learning an instrument for the first time. If somebody hands you, say, a trumpet, a guitar, a flute, anybody can take that instrument and begin to make noise. But what we need is we need somebody to teach us the scales. We need somebody to show us technique. We need somebody to say, no, 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 you're not even holding it right. This is how you make music. Now, certainly there are some people with that natural gift. There are some people with that natural talent. They have that ability to pick up that instrument and literally seemingly overnight, they know how to play and it sounds amazing. But majority of people, they need a coach. They need a teacher. They need somebody who can provide for them wisdom and guidance to make the most of it as they can. And in some ways, that's what this series, Win at Home, is all about. We were thinking, we were praying, we were talking as a leadership and a staff. Man, man, how can we provide wisdom for some of the things that we all want in our life? And that is, how do we win at home? How do we win in our marriages? How do we win in our parenting? How do we win in our finances? And so what this series is going to look like, it's going to look a little different, is we're going to have a little bit of these primers to talk about these topics. But then at the end, uh, or for most of it, we're going to have an interview time to bring out some just practical tools and advice. And so today's message uh, time, so to speak, we are talking about marriage. Now, the Arguably, uh, the beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2 gives us the primer for what marriage is about and where it comes from. This is from Genesis chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, flip to the beginning, second page, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 19. It says this, says, Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see if he could name them. And whatever the name, the man called the living creature that was its name. So the man gave uh, names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So basically what's being said there is saying all the animals had a partner to navigate life except Adam. The first man didn't. And says so in verse 21, so the Lord God caused man to fall asleep into a deep Sleep, And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to Adam. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And this is where this idea of marriage comes from, Genesis chapter 24. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. 
This is probably the most popular passage uh, talking about marriage, this whole idea and concept. From the beginning, God says it is not good for people to be alone. And it talks about this idea of unity, this idea, this concept of oneness that God wants us to live with. It's a deep oneness with another person, not necessarily to give us more fulfillment because that is what is good. That is how God designed us. And later on in the New Testament, we see, that that marriage is actually also the prime example of Jesus and his relationship with us as disciples and the church, that we are the, the bridegroom and he is the groom, that we are united with Christ. We are one with Christ as a fulfillment of God's plan for what is good, that shalom, that harmony, that peace, that unity. We are called to live and we are called to a deep oneness with other people. And that example of oneness kind of gives us three options, three options that maybe you have seen play out in your marriage, or maybe you're not married, but played out in the married life of those of the people who raised you. Or maybe you see this in some of your friends that usually it comes down to three options of oneness. The first is we can learn to serve one another out of love. That is the prime example, what Jesus did for us, that he served us out of love because of of that commitment. Sometimes, number two, we are selfishly insisting on love for one another, that we get into this headspace, we get into this idea that what marriage is about, what oneness is about is you need to meet my needs, you need to bend to my will, you need to conform to what I desire, and that selfishness creates some toxic behaviors. And the third one, though, is sometimes we play games by we say, well, I will serve you based on how much I feel like you love me. And so we begin to turn something like marriage, oneness, unity into a game of keeping score. Ultimately, though, it comes down to this idea uh, of, of loyal partnership. When the Bible talks about marriage, when the Bible says, what is a unity about? It is a loyal partnership to one another. It is a covenant. It is not a contract. It is not something that's based on the tides or the season or what is going on. It is a loyal partnership no matter what. Ephesians chapter 5, one of the other most famous passages about husband and wives, it begins in verses 1 and 2 saying this. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. The thing is, you go through the rest of this chapter and it sets up these next words about husbands and wives, starting in verse 21. It says, so submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And the apostle Paul says, let me give you just two examples here of how that's done. He says, so wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And for the husband is the head of the wife, as the Christ is head of the church, his body, which is now he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And then verse 25, it says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water and through the word. This idea of a, of, of, a, of a deep loyalty to one another, a submission, a mutual submission to one another, a mutual love to one another that builds each other up. You see, marriage is about more than just personal happiness. Our world and our society has convinced us your marriage, your relationship, your intimacy is about you. 
Do you feel right? Do you feel happy? Is it fulfilling every nook and cranny and desire that you have of what you want it to look like? Scripture says, no, 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 it's not about happiness. It's about commitment. It's about love. It's about a covenant that does not end. There's, a, there's an actor by the name of Aziz Ansari. Maybe you've heard of him before, but he actually talks about this in his book, Modern Romance. As he's trying to figure this idea of marriage out, he says this. He says, we want something that's very passionate or boiling from the get-go. In the past, people weren't looking for something boiling. They just needed some water. Once they found it, they committed to a life together, and they did their best to heat things up. Now, if things aren't boiling, committing to marriage seems premature. I think he kind of represents how a lot of our world and our society, the views we have specifically about marriage, which is like, well, if I don't feel it anymore, then I'm out. If I don't feel like being in this relationship, if it's not fulfilling my personal happiness, then I'm done. I remember growing up, my, my mom and my sister used to watch the show Gilmore Girls all the time, so maybe you're familiar with it. But that show is a carbon copy of that idea. As soon as the relationship isn't meeting my needs, I'm done. I'm going to toss it out. Eventually, what it leads us to thinking is if I'm no longer happy, then it must be broken. Or there's something wrong with that person, or the marriage must be done. And that is a worldly way of thinking. Scripture says, no, 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 your marriage is a covenant. It is a oneness that is built out of mutual submission and love to one another. So ultimately, the point of marriage is to express the gospel in our own lives and into the life of, of another. In some ways, you can say that the marriage should be an example of the gospel living through you. As Jesus died for you, as Jesus submitted himself to following and loving you to the point of death and resurrection, he now calls us to do the same for another person as we like to say, from death to us part. It's a lifelong covenant solidified with traits and attributes such as love, grace, mercy, and truth. So here's what we're going to do next, actually. Instead of me talking for, you know, like another 15 minutes about what is marriage, how do we have good marriages, um, instead, I'm going to invite a special guest to come out with me, and we're going to actually just talk about some practical tools, advice, and wisdom when it comes to marriage. And so uh, this is my wife, Diana. You can say hello to everybody. Hello. And so... um, yeah, well, we're going to do, this is our first time doing this. This is kind of something we're trying out, and so uh, we're taking a risk here. Uh, but I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be uh, a great opportunity for some of you to get to know us and for us to maybe share some of our wisdom. We're not the oldest couple. We're not the most seasoned ministry vets. But we've learned a lot. But we have learned a lot because we have messed up a lot. <laughs> In, in, in our relationship and marriage, and we have learned to uh, pursue it with grace and love. So, so why don't you start, share with the people, how long have we been together, how did we meet, all that good stuff. All right. Well, we have been married 10 years, soon to be 11 in a couple Ooh. months, and we met at Bible College. We were playing dodgeball, and this guy took a dodgeball. And just threw it, and it just straight took, in the face. Took my face out. Then he awesome. walked me back to my dorm, and the rest is history. So yay for dodgeball! We're big fans of dodgeball. <laughs> 
Yeah, so yeah, we've been coming up on 11 years of marriage, dated for about three years. So we've been, uh, I guess, a, a couple, if you will, for uh, 13-ish years and, and in many years to come. Two kids now, uh, and they fill our life with a lot of other stuff as well. So that's pretty awesome. So when, when it comes to marriage, um, there's a lot of things that we enjoy. There's also things that everybody knows it's never perfect. There's sometimes frustrations. So what would you say, if I ask you the question, what do you enjoy most um, about either our marriage or just what marriage can bring to somebody's life? What would you say? Marriage can bring out teamwork. And to be honest, teamwork at the very beginning was harder than very it hard. is right now. <laughs> and But what I have come to enjoy is my strengths are his weakness and his weakness, or my strengths <laughs> are his weakness yep. and his weaknesses are my strengths. And it's a really good balance. And we've learned that. Yeah. And we've learned what we can handle, who can handle what better. And it's almost like this shift that happens. A problem comes up. Who handles it better? And then how can we come together to solve the problem? Yeah, and I think along that lines too, what it also does is it has forced us to exercise humility, which... I think you and I would both say that is not a natural trait that both of us possess in large amounts. And so it's very humbling uh, because we're both pretty driven type A type of people. And so it's like we used to butt heads a lot, but it's like we wouldn't even like talk about butting heads. We just did. And we've we've grown through that. Um, But I think that was one of the hardest things for us is to like submit to things that we either thought we were good at or should have been good at, but now we're just like, no, 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 like you just handle it because like you are clearly better, but it took us like some things, like I don't know, almost 10 years to finally admit it and stuff. And, uh, but that's been super healthy. And I think that's one of the things that marriage does for us. It provides that, that daily opportunity to exercise selflessness. Like we are born selfish people. Like we didn't have to teach our kids to, to say no. We didn't have to teach our kids to say my toy. We, we have to teach them how to share and all that type of stuff. And I think that's what marriage does is it's a daily opportunity to uh, die to yourself in honor of another person too, not just for the sake of feeling good about it. Um, and so, so that's maybe something that, that, that we enjoy or we've learned. Flip that around and say, what's something, like if you were to give somebody a piece of advice, like, hey, man, looking back 12 years ago, I wish I would have learned this faster or I wish I would have listened to that advice. Somebody told me that advice. I didn't believe them. I thought they were full of it. Like, what would you have said to that? Well, there's a couple things. One is the way I handle stress and conflict is completely different than how he handles stress and conflict. My way is not the better way. His way is not the better way. But we have to learn how to balance each other's reactions and understand that we are not perfect people. We set these expectations for ourselves and we set the expectation for our spouse to be even better and to be perfect and to fulfill all of those desires and needs. And they're a human just like us and they're gonna screw up just like us. And so to hold them at that standard is just completely unfair. Um, So that's one thing. And then another is, I wish somebody would have told me to like understand personalities that (laughs) 
you're different. You have different core right. things that drive you. You have different fears than I do. And so the way you react to something, mm -hmm. you're doing it from a different space than where it's coming from me. So right. Right. I may be doing it from a spot where I'm doing it for love or I'm doing it to be seen or acknowledged by you. And mm -hmm. you're maybe doing something more based on um, you want to make sure that everything is controlled and in a good space and that everything is protected. Yeah. And so I may handle something completely different than you will. Yeah. And I just wish I knew that your reactions are not wrong. Right. <laughs> she said it, ladies and gentlemen. She, we figured it out. No, I, I think that is one of the, the truest things is we don't realize how much we don't know about each other. Like people, I think like, oh, we've been together for two years, five years or whatever. We know everything about each other. We, we can read you like a book. And then you get four years into the marriage or 10 years, 11. I mean, people might be like, you get 30 years into the marriage and you don't even know yet type of deal. And so I think that is so true. Is like you, your spouse will change. Like, and I, and I am curious how many people, like, that is maybe a source of a lot of tension um, is like, well, you're just not, you're not the same person that I married. It's like, no, duh. Our brains were not fully developed. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that's something that, like, nobody told me. And I don't think I had thought about was, like, when I married Diana 11 years ago, you're not going to be the same exact human being 12 years from now, 30 years from now, 70 years from now. We'd be really old if we made it 70 years. But uh, so I think that was like something there. Um, and I also think like the importance of marriage, of how it affects everything else in your life. I think uh, we, we can't compartmentalize it. Like if your marriage is strong, well, I was thinking about it this week. If your marriage is strong, you can get through like anything. Like if your marriage is, is a strong, it will be the rock that you can stand on next to your relationship with Christ. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or no money. It doesn't matter if you have good health or bad health. It doesn't matter if things are going exactly according to the plan or nothing is. You can get through literally anything. But then I would say, like, the opposite is true. It's like, if, if you have the job of your dreams, if you are making all the money you want to make in life, if you have everything is going according to plan except your marriage is weak, then it'll tank everything with it. And so I think the importance of how once you step into that idea of oneness with another person, it becomes, it becomes central. So uh, I'm going to, we want to do now, this, is, this isn't a game, but I want to, kind of is a game. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you either a saying, a phrase, um, or whatever, and you need to say if it's good advice or bad advice, okay? And then we can talk about it. All Got right. it. Ready? Here we go. Okay. A good marriage is based on a 50-50 split. False. Why? I would agree, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we have different jobs. We have different things that stress us out. We have different responsibilities. So where my day could be going really well, and I could be hitting all the things that I need to be hitting, and Eric may having be may having a really hard day, and... You know, that may be a sign for me to pick up some slack at home where he can't get. 
And then vice versa, there's going to be times where, hey, I've got this meeting to go to and I can't do this and this is stressing me. I'm having a really hard time at work. And that's his time to step in. So never one time are we going the exact same speed because we all have different things that are stressing us out at the time or just different needs in general that need to be met. Right. So that's, how was my answer? That was pretty good. (laughs) No, I mean, I think, I think we, uh, when when I do premarital counseling, we talk about this with people that it's not a 50, 50, it's a hundred, hundred because it's, it is a, is a commitment. You commit to give your all no matter what. And when we view it as a 50, 50, you start to keep score. And so then everything becomes like a tally. It's like, well, I would do that, um, but you're only at 40% and I'm waiting. So once you hit 50%, then I'll fulfill my end of the bargain. And that's a contract. And I think sometimes we enter into marriage with a contract mindset. If you provide A, B, and C, if you love me in manners one, two, three, then I will return love in X, Y, Z or whatever. And that is like just such a toxic, bad way of thinking. It's only going to set you up for failure because like you said, we're not perfect. We have different ways in which we process things. We have different things going on in life. And I think one of the beautiful things about marriage is the opportunity to be the strength for the other person when they are weak. You know, it's what the Apostle Paul talks about, the power of Christ, in which he says, when I am weak, he makes me strong. And that's not to say, you are not my Jesus, I am not your Jesus, I am not your Savior, you are not my Savior. However, it is an opportunity to exude Christ-likeness in that manner. And so, I, yeah, it was, it was a good answer. It was a good answer. Um... Uh, all right, number, here's, a, here's another one. Uh, money is the biggest source of tension in marriage. False. False. Why? While it is, I think for a lot of people, there are money tension, but why would you say it's not probably the biggest source? The way you communicate. There it is, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you know our phrase that we like to share... Um, that, that we have, that we like to share with others, or that I like to share with others when doing premarital counseling. I don't know if you even, this is like a quiz. I have I hope no idea. So it's, it's, most tension comes from unmet expectations because of? Lack of communicating what your desire yeah, is. <laughs> so we have unmet expectations because of unexpressed expectations. So yeah, I just pastored it up for you, Thank you know, you. that standpoint. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think that was probably one of the biggest things we had to learn. Like, we didn't have money, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, or ministry, so it's like we, money couldn't be a problem for us if we didn't have any uh, to create tension. But I think when I think back of when we had the most tension or, or arguments, it was probably around that, mm-hmm. what do you say? Yeah, out of communication. Yeah. And we both, we both communicate differently. Yeah. Um, if you just communicated how I communicate, that would be great, so... And vice versa, and right? vice versa, yep. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, uh, last one real quick is, um, I just need to find my soulmate. What would you say to that? False. Right. Um, yep. You need to find somebody that you agree has the same morals and values as you because you're going to be a family, you're going to be a unit, and if those don't line up, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of conflict and disagreement. No, I was. I mean, that was good there. And I think the the idea of a soulmate is 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 maybe toxic isn't the right word, but it tells us there's only one person who can complete you. And while I love you to death and all that type of stuff, like chances are 
there's other people in the world that if I had married them or you had met somebody else or we actually didn't meet when we met, I probably could have been married to a different one. You could have been married to a different man and had a very strong, fruitful marriage as well, right? So just because we found each other and we believe God brought us together, it doesn't mean like you were the only person I was allowed or could marry to be like obedient to God. And so I think that concept of a soulmate uh, sounds nice, but I think it tricks us into thinking, well, two things. There's only one person out there. Uh, but then second of all, it's like once you find that person, then it's like everything hinges on them completing you. And as disciples of Jesus, first and foremost, we don't believe that anybody fulfills us and completes us other than Christ. And that idea of a soulmate says, you will never be happy until you find your, your soulmate. And they could walk out the door. You know, they could, and then all of a sudden you're left with just an identity crisis because you thought that was the person who was supposed to complete you forever. So. And the idea of a soulmate almost is on a pedestal as if right, right. they can't mess up, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And the moment that you do have that conflict and that unmet expectation, you're like, but you're my soulmate. Right, right. You are supposed to get it. You don't get it. You're supposed to just know how I think. You should read my mind. Yeah, no, it's super good. Um, now, in church, we, we, we talk a lot about the importance of marriage, scripture use of marriage, but not everybody's married. Um, we have a lot of young adults in our church who aren't married or, and are thinking about being married. We have people in our church who are widowed, divorced. We have people who are separated. We have people who, who are choosing uh, not to be married with their life. So, so singleness, um, I think, is sometimes like churches, we forget to talk about singleness and talk about uh, that it's power and purpose. And so over the course of our life in ministry, we've had a lot of people um, that have been close friends or whatever that either aren't married or I'm thinking of one in particular who she probably just won't ever get married and whatnot. And so what would you say to somebody who uh, finds themselves single for, for a variety of reasons um, for them to uh, know that they have meaning and value and purpose? Find your community. There are so many incredible people out there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that build you up and that love you and that you can go and experience incredible things together. Mm -hmm. And I know for us in general, community is one thing that I love about First Christian, mm -hmm. for sure. And just because we're married doesn't mean that's what gives us the good community, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of my community. Because you won't go golfing with me. So. I won't go. He's got to find a golfing community. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, I would just say, mm -hmm. put yourself out there, get involved in church in a yeah. small group, get to know the people mm -hmm. here in this community, and hang out and mm -hmm. enjoy it. And I. And I am saying this from a space of, I am married, so I can't come from, mm -hmm. you know, your seat per se. Sure. I am saying that being a part of a community and a group of women, just from a woman's standpoint, right. being in right. a women's group has been an incredible experience that Eric can't necessarily fill that spot. Right. So mm -hmm. that's something that I would say, what about you? Yeah, I think, number one, that, like, I would remind uh, whoever, to, you know, if you're sitting here, you're watching this, you're single, again, like I said, whether you haven't 
found a spouse yet, your spouse walked out on you, your spouse passed away, wherever it is, and whether or not you want to be married or you don't think being married is something for you in the future, you have meaning, you have value, you are not an incomplete person. I think sometimes the church has done a bad job of, of literally like putting marriage up on a pedestal, almost like projecting it as like, unless you're married, you're gonna be less than, or you're not gonna be as valuable. And so I would tell you, just like straightforwardly, you have meaning, you have power and purpose. In some ways, to impact the kingdom of God, you have uh, certain th- stories, some of you, based on what you've been through, to walk through and bear burdens with others, which is incredibly powerful. You have uh, sometimes flexibility that married people don't have um, that affords you the ability to maybe impact your local church or communities differently. But I mean, the number one thing I would say is like, yeah, like do not find your identity um, in anything other than Jesus and that being married doesn't necessarily make you a full and complete person. So that's probably encourage them with that. And so um, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up with like one final question. Um, and, um, I think this is a question that sometimes people don't know how to ask or what, actually we'll ask two quick questions. So we'll got to get through quick. Okay. So here's the, the question that I think sometimes I hear is what do I do if my spouse doesn't want to take faith as seriously as I do? What would you say to to that person who's coming to you and say like, hey, my spouse won't come to church or hey, like I, I, I am, I feel like I'm on fire for Christ yet they are not. What would you say to them? Well, you can't change them. Yeah. You can't. Um, God can change them. And so the only thing that I could do in that moment is spend a lot of time in prayer mm-hmm. and encouragement. Yeah. And ask your, ask your people who surround you in your life to continue to pray and love your spouse regardless. Mm-hmm. There is nothing worse than somebody that is nagging or mm-hmm. pushy or frustrated. Yep. That's not going to change anything. Encouragement and love, that's going to change something. For sure. And I would just tack on that. But also don't be afraid to continue to take your faith seriously. So like, if, if your spouse doesn't wanna to go to church with you, don't be the naggy, come on, come on, come on, come on, which, you know, nobody likes. However, don't let their lack of desire to follow Jesus hold you back. Set that example in faith for them. So, okay, uh, well, end it real quick in like, you know, maybe one minute, uh, 30 seconds is, uh, uh, what is one thing that you would say we have done to make our marriage more successful? Like if you could say, here's one final piece of practical advice that you wish every single couple could embody for the, uh, a strong marriage, what would you say? Having conversations. Yeah. This right here, talking things out, understanding why we're doing what we're doing, what we're choosing. Uh, when there's a conflict, saying, why did you do that? And help me understand there instead of the magic saying, phrase. you, you, you did this. It's help yeah. me understand what happened here. Absolutely. Yeah, avoiding the altruisms, you always, you never, how come, and that phrase, yeah, help me understand, like, I mean, that just disarms everything, and yeah, that's what, that was literally what I was thinking too, so. Yes. Nice, well done, high five, that was good, so. All right, well, well, thank you everyone for uh, listening and tuning in, hopefully this has been helpful for you, thank you for joining me, I know, uh, 
the church gets to see my face a lot, but they don't get to see your pretty face uh, nearly as much. And so, uh, yeah, uh, we pray that this has been a great opportunity. Obviously, this doesn't cover everything. There's a lot of questions that people ask that we couldn't get to. Um, but man, we look forward to this series. We look forward to helping providing an opportunity for people in our church to, to win at home. And so with that, uh, we look forward to continuing to worship with you this morning for the rest of our service.